Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thanks so much, Billy, and welcome to episode number 34 of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Can you believe it that we've been doing this thing uh, for months now? We've uh, started last fall, late summer, early fall, a whole different world at that particular time. Who would have believed that we would be talking to Oklahoma Senator James Langford about the coronavirus pandemic and all the ramifications that have hit Oklahoma in so many directions and hit us hard in rural areas of our state? James Langford is our guest today, our junior senator. We're going to talk about uh, his work up in Washington. He's back in D.C. now. We're on the long line with him today here in just a few moments. And uh, as we uh, join Senator Langford today, he's been talking on Capitol Hill, on the floor of the Senate, about agriculture and energy in our state. We'll get into that here in just a few moments with the senator. Today, we're being powered by the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma the voice of Oklahoma oil and natural gas. The Petroleum Alliance works to advance all facets of the state's largest industry. And we're back on the road to rural prosperity with Senator Langford in just a few moments. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. On today's edition of the Road to Rural Prosperity, very pleased to have along with us today, Senator James Langford. We're talking with the senator on the long line. He's in his offices in Washington, D.C. The Senate is back to work uh, once again, and uh, several things, of course, going on, uh, including uh, additional assistance for uh, for America, uh, implementation of the CARES Act already underway, HEROES Act being proposed by the, by the House. We'll get to that in a minute. Yesterday, you had the chance to uh, spend some time on the floor of the Senate, and you kind of highlighted a couple of the areas that are very, very important to U.S., uh, uh, to the U.S., but especially to Oklahoma, uh, agriculture culture and energy. And I know that uh, you've uh, been very concerned and had a lot of input from uh, from the agricultural community, for example, about what is going on right now because of the coronavirus. Yeah, there's a lot going on, obviously, in every area of the economy. But I, I spent some time talking about some of the folks that are essential workers, that everyone throws that term around. They're essential, non-essential. Uh, but in the essential worker area are definitely folks in the energy sector and in agriculture. And uh, we talk a lot about healthcare workers, and we should. Uh, and we, we are exceptionally grateful for what they're doing. But those folks that are handling trucking, uh, grocery stores, uh, farm and ranch, uh, energy sector, um, gas station, sanitation, we've got a lot of folks that are behind the scenes uh, that people don't know their face but are so grateful for what they're doing. 
And uh, we have not had massive food shortages in America because we've had a lot of farmers and ranchers that have done a lot of work for a very long time. And uh, now with the challenges that we have uh, in dealing with things like packers, trying to be able to get uh, the right uh, right cuts out and uh, the right quantities and some of the things that have happened with COVID-19 outbreaks and uh, some of our facilities, uh, we're still seeing that uh, folks are still on the job taking care of it. And I just want to be able to stop and say, here's some of the issues, explain it to some of my colleagues that uh, don't necessarily pay as, as, many, as much attention to the agricultural area, explain what's going on, uh, but also get a chance to be able to talk about there may be some solutions out there we need to look at. I know that, uh, of course, uh, in the case of the uh, state of Oklahoma, we do not have a major beef packing plant or processing plant, but we do have one of the larger pork processing plants in America in Seaboard and in, in Guyman. I'm sure that uh, your your staff, your folks are are in regular contact and trying to make sure that they've got uh, all that they need to stay stay open and, and keep uh, rolling pork through the plant. That is correct. Yeah, my staff's talked to them. The governor and his staff's talked to them. Uh, I was on the phone uh, with leadership of Seaboard uh, earlier this week, trying to be able to talk through what's the status, uh, what are they seeing. Uh, they're at 60% capacity right now. Uh, they've tested 95% of their workers, and of course they have a couple thousand, uh, but it uh, tested 95% of their workers. They're in the process of reloading where they're going to do another round of testing again uh, to try to stay on top of this. And uh, they are uh, providing additional space, providing additional equipment, uh, for protective equipment. They're, they're doing the things that need to be done as they continue to be able to watch out for their folks. Uh, they are grateful that uh, they've had so few people uh, that have been hospitalized that have actually contracted. Uh, but if we look at just Texas County, uh, last week, 45% of all the cases in Oklahoma for COVID-19 were all in Texas County. Uh, so that area in Guyman and that area around the plant, that has been not just the hot spot for Oklahoma, the spot uh, for Oklahoma is the major area and uh, so it's something we've got to be able to monitor as a state uh, and uh, make sure that they get the testing, which they do have the testing supplies. It's faster uh, now than it was originally for them. Uh, but uh, they're they're trying to get on top of it, and their leadership is very, very focused on taking care of their people. I know that uh, you've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of your colleagues uh, in D.C. since you've gotten back. Uh, the Senate has gotten back to work. Uh, you've obviously been able to share some stories about what's going on in your respective states. Oklahoma's really got a pretty good story when it comes to uh, being able to uh, maybe sidestep uh, the worst of, of COVID-19, it seems. Yeah, we, we do. We are grateful for that. Uh, we have had... Uh, well, I would I would just say it this way. There are some states that have more deaths in their states than we've had total cases in our state. And uh, so we're, we're very grateful for that. Our healthcare folks have done a tremendous job. Uh, folks are paying attention to it. And initially, uh, there was this conversation that uh, COVID-19 is only in the urban areas. It's not in rural areas of the state. And uh, we have quickly learned that that's not true. A uh, virus can move anywhere among any, any population. So people paying attention to the basics, and especially folks uh, that are higher risk, uh, that have heart conditions, that have diabetes, that have other health issues, uh, they've got to pay attention to this because this virus, while it transfers like the flu, we've learned a lot about it. It doesn't act like the flu. By the time you're hospitalized with this virus, it has a thickening of the blood and it's causing multiple strokes, it causes all of your organs to swell, and there's the inflammation in, inside, and obviously that causes major organ damage. So this, this, this doesn't move like the flu once it's actually inside of you. It transfers around like that, but uh, it's very different. So I think folks are paying attention to it, and uh, they're doing what they can to be able to keep a good distance and uh, grateful to be able to see declining numbers. Uh, but that only continues to decline as we continue to be able to watch out for each other. 
you, uh, as, as we mentioned, you uh, were on the floor of the Senate talking uh, about agriculture and energy. Some of the things that you, you really pointed out, some a couple of personal stories, especially in agriculture, of, uh, of uh, the real-life consequences of the economic problems that coronavirus has caused. Yeah, I did. I, I told some, some family stories. Obviously, I, I talked to a lot of people on my staff. We talked to a lot of folks. I just paused for just a moment to be able to talk through some stories of different farmers and ranchers and uh, what they're dealing with and the reality on the ground. Uh, some folks that uh, do uh, wheat and beef operations and what they're facing right now with a, a good wheat crop that's coming up in Oklahoma, if we can keep it out of the hail uh, in, the, in the days ahead. Uh, but they, they're still facing $150,000 loss uh, just coming in based on the wheat prices. And, of course, beef prices, 35 to 45 and, and percent, depending on the day, off uh, of what we have to. And for so many folks that are selling beef right now, uh, for their for their cattle, they're losing money on every pound. And right now, just with Seaboard Farms, when I talk to them, uh, they've got 7,000 head a day uh, that they're having to depopulate uh, that they cannot process. So for all of those folks that are pork producers uh, that planned months ago to be able to do the sale right now, uh, as they should have planned months ago and everything was on track, uh, now suddenly uh, they have a, a massive drop in price and uh, having to be able to put animals down uh, rather than have them processed, and it's exceptionally difficult and personal uh, for the folks that actually raise those animals. And uh, so there, there are a lot of issues that are out there. There's $19 billion that we've allocated through the CARES Act. Uh, $16 billion of that will get uh, a portion of direct aid, both from CCC uh, and a new program that's stood up uh, to do uh, for coronavirus. Uh, $3 billion being allocated to get, try to get commodities out to food banks and other places. Farmers and ranchers uh, want their product to actually get to people. And uh, so that's part of the key here is to be able to make sure that we actually uh, can get as much of that product as we can, uh, not poured out on the ground, uh, not thrown away, but actually get to people where it was intended to be. So there, there, there are a lot of programs that are getting stood up. Uh, this has been incredibly complicated to try to stand up some new programs. Uh, those don't happen fast, uh, but the key is to try to get as much assistance as we can to help folks get through a very difficult season, be able to get on the other side of it. And then we still have structural issues in the packing area and other things that have to be dealt with. Uh, they're not coronavirus related. Those just existed for a long time. Our special guest today on the road to rural prosperity on the long line from our nation's capital, Oklahoma Senator James Lankford. And we will continue along the road here in just a few moments. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. PSO provides electricity service to more than half a million customers across Oklahoma. Increasing reliance on natural gas and renewable energy is our future. Cleaner, more affordable energy to power our lives. A strong Oklahoma economy boosted by new jobs, increased revenues for rural communities and schools. Together, our energy is boundless. Welcome back to the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for joining us today. Very happy to have with us today our junior senator for the state of Oklahoma, Senator James Langford, who's back in Washington now. The Senate is working uh, on Capitol Hill once again. Let's talk about energy, if we might. Uh, you uh, pointed out that uh, 
we've obviously had uh, multiple hits. Uh, just as agriculture's had multiple hits uh, in various segments of our agricultural economy, but the energy complex uh, not only had the reality of this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, epidemic, uh, we've also had the issue of uh, the uh, kind of the trade battle uh, price war, if you want to call it that, uh, with uh, uh, Mr. Putin and uh, the Saudis. And, uh, of course, Mr. Trump uh, has uh, kind of gotten in and, and uh, talked to them as well. But but that there's been so many hits on the energy complex, it's almost uh, been, been difficult to keep up with everything. Yes, yeah, one after another after another. I've talked to some folks uh, in Oklahoma that said they've been in energy for decades and decades. They've never seen anything like this. Uh, obviously, no one has. Uh, you go back to January and the Chinese quarantined 700 million people. Uh, that's an enormous percentage of what's happening worldwide in gasoline use to literally quarantine 700 million people. Uh, so that decreased the amount of gasoline uh, just very suddenly and unexpectedly of what the world was using. At the same time, uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia decided this was a good time to have a price war and uh, they started undercutting each other and overproducing, trying to steal each other's customers. Uh, that increased uh, supply again at the same spot that demand was dropping. And then, of course, in March and April, we see most of the globe stop, and uh, that created an even greater oversupply. And so just one thing on top of another, and uh, now we've got about 30% more gasoline than the world needs, and uh, that's created major issues. So uh, in Oklahoma, where we're used to having uh, a lot of wells uh, that are active wells right now. We have 12 active wells in the entire state uh, that are actually being drilled. So that, that, that's an enormous drop for us and a lot of jobs. That's jobs in trucking and restaurants and hotels. Uh, that's sand. Uh, that's crack operation service. All those trucks, all those people are, are parked. And uh, those are folks that have been laid off. And it's uh, exceptionally difficult for them. And they realize that hey, this is not coming back quickly, uh, though the price has started to bump up a little bit. Uh, we're up around $30 rather than 11 or $12 a barrel as we used to be uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, it's still not improving enough to be able to start new operations. And uh, so it, it, it's going to be difficult for us for a while uh, to be able to recover for this. And thankfully for programs like the Paycheck Protection Program that so many folks in the ag industry and energy industry and retail and restaurants that so many folks have taken advantage of, that gets them a couple of months. Uh, but this is not a couple of months of recovery. Uh, for energy. Uh, this is going to take a long time. You know, that being said, uh, do, you, do you foresee, you know, uh, the government trying to step in on a longer term basis? Or is this something the industry is just going to have to kind of uh, uh, tighten their belts in every way imaginable uh, and and try to ride, you know, ride this thing to where they can finally start bringing some of their folks back online? Yeah, there will be a few programs that are stood up uh, as the Main Street Lending Program is already out there that's available for energy folks uh, to be able to get access to credit. Uh, it is a low-interest, low-collateral uh, loan, and so that uh, energy companies would have access uh, to that money if they want to be able to get credit from that. But there are some folks that are already overextended that already had a lot of debt. Uh, that They're not interested in trying to take out more debt to be able to try to survive this, and they're trying to figure out how to be able to process through this. Uh, so the challenge now is once we get the Paycheck Protection Program and that money runs out for that company, uh, if they don't want to take on additional debt, what's the next challenge for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, the main goal is to try to get uh, demand, quite frankly, up as you get the economy going again. Uh, there's nothing that could strengthen our energy industry more uh, than getting the economy going, people actually using energy, flying on aircraft and driving uh, cars and uh, doing all the things that we typically do. Uh, that demand starts to pop back up again. That'll help. And what we've seen is worldwide, 
a dramatic drop in supply and uh, where we had major problems and not having any place to put oil uh, a month ago because of oversupply and storage. That storage is now starting to come down and it's starting to be able to solve some of that. So we're seeing the market correct itself in energy, uh, but the challenge is really twofold. If you've got companies that are selling the oil out, now that's one thing, but those service companies uh, that are actually going to drill, uh, that's a whole different issue and that's a much longer challenge for them. And uh, That's much tougher to be able to solve uh, with any kind of program because it's hard to be able to see how much debt any entity wants to be able to take carry uh, carry their company during this time period. Right. Uh, obviously, we've uh, you, you mentioned and alluded to the CARES Act, very important for agriculture especially. And uh, at the same time, uh, the House of Representatives, uh, in a very quick fashion, uh, led by uh, uh, Speaker uh, Pelosi, passed what they're calling the HEROES Act, a huge, huge bill, $3 trillion. I know that your uh, leadership in the Senate have called it uh, dead on arrival, uh, say they're going to be working on their own ideas. What are the ideas that you're hearing right now? And what would you like to see advance as far as another round of federal assistance to help folks? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is the previous bills dealing with coronavirus have been bipartisan bills to try to work through this process and say we, we can't do a partisan bill right now. We've got a disaster going on, and we've got to do what we can to be able to bring the country together to solve it. Uh, and then Speaker Pelosi puts out a bill that is literally larger and costlier than the previous four bills combined. And it was a straight partisan vote, Democrats and Republicans, uh, where Democrats strongly supported a bill that was $3 trillion, but it, it had a lot of areas that were not coronavirus-related. Uh, they changed the voting laws across the country permanently, took away all voter ID, uh, did, did all kinds of changes uh, on voting laws. They uh, changed the way immigration would be done. They uh, ignored things for illegal immigration, the $1,200 checks that have gone out to be able to help Americans. They extended those to people illegally present in the country. And they, it was just all kinds of things they added into it, environmental justice grants. Uh, they did all kinds of things on marijuana policy. Uh, so we, we in the Senate have said, stop, that's not what we want. We're going to try to work across the aisle and to try to get a bill that's not just a bunch of other stuff that uh, that's not related to coronavirus. Let's try to be able to actually solve the problem that we have. Uh, there's a, a couple quick challenges that we have, though. There's a, a big focus on what do cities and towns and communities need as far as support, uh, and we're trying to actually get accurate numbers. It's very difficult to get accurate numbers on cities and states and what they need. They know they have needs right now, uh, but we can't just throw a big number out there and say that, that's enough or that's the right number. Uh, because some cities and communities and states, especially their expenses, have dropped dramatically as there's been less demand on their services, uh, but their their revenue has also dropped dramatically as well. So we're trying to be able to feel that out. We're trying to be able to figure out for the Paycheck Protection Program and other programs that were grant programs, where did it work, where did it not work, who got skipped in this, and uh, and what can be done uh, to be able to deal with the issues at hand. Uh, several things that I have raised on things like the packing industry, uh, we have a lot of small packers that want to be able to grow larger, uh, but the overtime costs for inspections are so high. They're $80 an hour uh, for overtime inspections uh, that uh, they can't afford that. So small packers that want to be able to grow up and to be able to be more competitive and provide more services uh, can't do that. Well, that's an area that we could be able to fix with taking care of that overtime cost and uh, making sure we can cover that and other things that we can do to be able to help. So we're trying to target things very specifically say what could be done uh, to be able to deal with uh, the issue that we have in front of us now uh, and that we know that will be there long term as well. 
Quickly, I, I know, uh, you know, obviously the Senate, Senate, uh, Senate leader, uh, Mr. McConnell, has indicated uh, he's not in a big hurry, wants, wants to make sure we do the right thing. Got a timeline on when we might see an additional package out of the Senate? Yeah, we don't have a timeline on yet because we're trying to be able to make sure that we actually do it right and to be able to see what's actually happening in the economy. Well, one of the things that we have emphasized a lot is liability protections. Obviously, the state of Oklahoma has already passed liability protections. Uh, for businesses that are reopening, we may need to do that nationally as well. Uh, if, if more states don't take that on, uh, because there are many businesses that want to reopen, but they're afraid that they'll get sued by someone as soon as they do. And so they're just trying to figure out what to do uh, in that process and how they can reopen and what the risks are. So we're spending a lot of time talking about liability protections, how to be able to do that, do that right, be able to both protect workers and customers, uh, but also give some confidence to businesses that they can reopen as well as we deal with the virus. Uh, so all those things we're trying to be able to work through the process. But I would not anticipate a bill coming out of the Senate in the next several weeks. Uh, this is something that we're trying to be able to work through and try to be able to see the data on the ground before we respond again, knowing that every every dollar that we actually spend uh, is a dollar that has been borrowed from someone that we as a nation will have to pay back. Uh, so we've got to be careful with other people's money. Thank you, Senator. Senator James Lankford visiting with us from his offices in our nation's capital as they continue to deal with the realities of coronavirus and the economic consequences that have come from our country essentially shutting down. On the road to rural prosperity, I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, RuralProsperityOK.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and OklahomaFarmReport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.